Sup, history hooligans? This is your boy, Double Down Dan, chilling with my boy, McLean, who uh, I'm actually kind of excited to have in here in my shitty ass kind of impromptu studio, as it as it were. It's right? not that bad, don't. Well, we make we make do here in Double Down Studios, like ain't you know, that the truth? Sit in front of a desk. Just kind of... Ain't that the truth. We just kind of, you know, it, it's an interesting vibe around here. You Ain't know, that the truth. We aren't really sure what we're doing around here, but this is episode two of History Hooligans. And for anyone listening, I appreciate it for sure. And what it, whatever this is, truth. it's just a conversation about some cool shit. And so I brought my boy McLean in here. Trill. And I will call him Mickey, and that's all right. I gotta call you Mickey, right? I like the, uh, yes, thanks. And I like the, uh, I like the nickname, Mickey. Uh, McLean Frederick Miller, on paper, Mickey. Friends and family. That's the way, I reserve that, that nickname, that Mickey nickname for friends and family. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, Mickey, um... Damn. What 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 brings you around here? Damn. And I know we're definitely gonna talk some pottery. Like that's what this conversation's about is talking pottery. Oh, we're talking pottery. And All right. so I mean, <laughs> I hate to jump right to it, but like, yeah, that's that's where this is gonna go, right? Right. Like, there's no there's no getting around that. So I guess my first question to you is like, Ain't that what the truth? what what uh what give people a little bit about your background? And a little about about what brought you into making pottery. All right, thanks. Yeah, I can start in the uh, best place I can is uh, Ojai, California. It was probably nineteen ninety five. I was just a, a wee lad, and I was introduced to pottery at a school I was going to in Ojai called Ojai Valley School. It was a, a uh, preparatory school for you know ma- mainly I looked at it as like a private school you know it was the prep the prep boys so uh, we had compared to public schools we had access to uh, you know a little bit higher level of education no- nothing you know too you know well a bigger art department uh, uh, probably. specifically you know drama art theater Clubs, a lot more clubs. You know, I had surf club and so stuff. Why, so why did you pick pottery if you had all these choices when you were... Yeah, you know, that? the first time I saw it done, wow. I had this teacher named Miss Scott. And uh, you'll, you're through. there's no way of me talking about my pottery experience if I don't talk about every teacher I've ever had. So Miss Scott... Is uh, that that's she, the first one? Yeah, she was from Ojai. Came in, I, I want to say she was... Scott, you know, she might she had a real thick accent, you know, she wasn't Australian. She might have been English or maybe even Irish or Scottish. She could have been Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, so let's just say it was Scottish from Scotland. Came in and the first time I saw someone grab some clay and, you know, roll it up into a ball like you've seen a million times and throw it down on a wheel. And slowly start kicking the wheel and 
uh, I think it was a kick wheel. It could, it could have been, at the time, I think it could have just been one of those motorized wheels where uh, the pottery wheel has, you know, two or three speeds, a uh, slow, medium, fast, and then it, you know, it went, it went in forward and it went in reverse. So, you know, let's say she threw the ball of clay on there and she just turned it on a median speed going forward. I think that would make the thing going, uh, you know, let's say it's going in a counterclockwise. I'm pretty sure because if I'm kicking with my right leg, which I always did, I'd kick with my right leg, it's going counterclockwise. So that's something to remember there. So you're kicking the thing going counterclockwise, boom, you, you, she threw it down, she threw down that clay and she threw a little water with some sponge out of a bucket on By the time she came up, this thing uh, from a ball of clay went into a, a, a perfect little, uh, hard to explain, like a, like a hockey puck shape. And I was wait wait. Hooked. She wasn't showing you cylinders at first. Like she, you didn't see a cylinder. You actually saw just like a like a literal like a little UFO disc. Yeah, like a clay. little like a little UFO, right there spinning right in front of me. And I said, "Holy!" I think that looked like the thing we go in at the <laughs> fair. You jump in that thing at the fair and it spins around and everybody sticks against the wall. You know what I mean? That's what that looked like. Because you know me, uh, I, I would literally, like, uh, if I saw someone doing, like, a big, like, bulb or, like, a super yeah, well, nice base, I'd be super well, she, attracted. Well, she started, but you were puck attracted. She she started with something that was so, like, you know, you get it, you get the clay centered. And you get your you get your centered clay into a position, you know, she... She formed it into whatever she knew. I normally when I do it, I, I go into a cone. You know, when I throw my clay onto the wheel later on, I'd be making a cone. But she went with more of like a, yeah, like a hockey puck. Looked like a little, uh, little discus. Yeah, like a little you discus. Could just, you could throw it was, around. Like. It was. It wasn't food. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was. It wasn't a fun. It was something that I'd never seen happen right before my eyes. You know, so quickly. And that's kind of what got me hooked too. Um, so, so that was that was what that was in the fifth grade. You know, that's if you look at it like that. Well, that was that was fifth grade. And then by the time, you know, uh, that that experience would open up into me being able to get some clay. And I really don't think I have much to show for. I was making, you know, by then I was I was wanting to everybody's make a bong, make a bong. So I was making like bongs and flower vases. I have like one or two things from that era of my pottery. That, that I was able to keep. And one of them is like a really cool like vase that somehow my mom's kept. And there's just like the only thing you could put in is like one flower. I mean, the it, it, it's the stem of this thing is 12 inches tall. So, so the interesting thing to me by you saying that is the puck. Like you were dragged into pottery by seeing someone make a puck on a potting wheel. Like... I mean, that's really kind of interesting because that's a base form. That's the start of everything, right? And so as you're learning that, it's it's the start of everything. And there's a lot of things that can made, be made from that basic form. So that that to me, that's interesting that you were attracted to pottery by the something base, so simple, the base shape. Yeah, something so simple that would you know, for, you know you. You look at the the process and and building up any like whether you're sculpting or using a pottery wheel, which is what we're talking about, a, a throwing wheel or you know all, all these different clay, you know clay medium medians you can go through different medians. Anyhow, the idea is some kind of balance 
and, and some kind of structural meaning you get top heavy on a pot piece, you know, it's going to get all sideways on you. You're going to lose it. You, you get your, you know, for example, everything is kind of got to have some, some balance and, and symmetry, you know, really it's got to, it's got to be symmetrical. You know, you're spinning on a wheel there. Don't forget that. So you can slow it down and you can manipulate it, which will get to like hand throwing and, um, other things, but for the most part, when you're, you know, your 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 artwork is spinning right in front of you. I know Daniel, he's a, he's on a wood lathe, so he understands a lot about what I'm talking about here. But you know, one little mistake can send your your piece into uh, wobbly wobbly zone. Wobbles, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except I'm like, it's a little bit more forgiving on a wood lathe because it's a little bit and, solid. And, and like I said, like you know, my parents are somehow the only ones. Like they've got all my potter. They, you know, they've got stuff for me and all my brothers over the years as I'm sure your parents have a lot of your stuff too because oh I'll dude it's littered the houses are littered with this I'll stuff I'll lose this stuff hey, 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 but it looks better there anyway because they actually you know so what was what was the next conversation like the pieces. next the, the next so you get past <laughs> when I moved like when, I, when I moved class. from when I moved from Ojai to San Luis Obispo that's when I was introduced to a uh, uh, ceramics guru at San Luis Obispo High School by the name of Mr. Bank. And um, <laughs> yep. if you went to Slow High, you probably, and you, probably you, know. You, you had ceramics class, which we all, which we, you know, again, a, uh, a, a, a subject in the curriculum that just might not be available any to, anymore due to, you know, due to COVID or due, you know, I say that uh, sarcastically, but due to lack of well, that's funding. A, dude, that's a troubling Due to thing. lack of that's due to a lack of uh, uh, initiative on the parents and the teachers to keep these kinds of classes in the curriculum. But, you know, I, I don't know the current status of ceramics. And, you know, I'm sure just like drawing and painting and um, underwater basket weaving, there's been a lot of <laughs> lost funding for these types of programs over the years. You know, people... Are trying to find, and you know, all this shit's fun. Man. I'm pretty sure they have underwater basket weaving at all high schools yeah. throughout the nation. Should be Mando. <laughs> Should be Mando. Well, let's get back to the meat. Let's get back yeah. to the meat, like pottery. Fuck, fuck the tan. Pottery. Right? So you know, pottery. You know, so going what, back to what was it, so good about your experience at Slow High? Mr. Bank let me reign supreme. She gave me access. Yeah, but what were you making? Like, well, she, why, you know, why? you know, coming into high school with like a little bit of an understanding about the wheel, and where I had, you know, growing up in Ojai, maybe two or three wheels that we got to, you know, and you know, so what if you don't get to use the wheel in that art class? You'd have to wait, but you know, you walk into this art class. There's 25 wheels, 10 electric wheels. I mean, they had a uh, uh, one pottery wheel for each kid in that class, and that classroom held 35, 40 kids. So, you know, when there's a there, there's always a pottery wheel. So I, I became immediately, you know, I was the TA. I was a teacher assistant, and I got to take pottery classes every semester, every trimester, whatever we were. On. I think we were on trimesters back then. And um, that's that's three in a year for all you other, you know. All right, so I'll, I'm gonna just straight skip forward, drop the bomb on you because you know this you, is yeah. the shit well, I really want to talk about. To 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 this to, this is the to, shit. To just to further along, you know, in in high school, I did enter a couple of art competitions out in Morro Bay. I entered one here in town at the Monday Club. 
Um, I did place third place for a uh, art piece I made that was like a really cool American Indian piece I did, which is a sculpture of like a guy kind of like, um, you know, uh, laying with a buffalo hide over him with the horns and the whole deal, kind of like a, t you know, like a, what I would call a, a, a sculptural piece. But that, 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 that I don't know where it came from, the American Indian sculpting. And I also had another one that I made for my brother Joe that has a bear, kind of similar, like a guy standing there with a bear that he had you know, scun or scanned or whatever and, you know, draped over his head like the bear with him smoking a pipe. So I always had this weird connection with the American Indian and pottery in general. And so then Daniel wants you me know, to get into... You know that's Daniel where wants it's going to go. Into, you know that's where it's going to go. Daniel wants me to get into a specific... Uh, yeah, that's why I brought him on here. <laughs> this is why I think we need to... Excuse me. Listen to this guy and... Um, there's there's certain research you can do. There's certain ideas that that come across, but there there's like a tangible aspect of pottery that I've always really enjoyed. There there's something like you hold it in your hands. It's delicate. Like you you could break it very easily. It's it's something that if you take care of it, it's gonna last. But at the same time, it's like if you have the power to make that thing yeah then it's like it's it's okay like it, it's Daniel, fine keep us going for 30 seconds here 30 <laughs> seconds just uh give me we, we we got man yeah, man's yeah, got it he's going his own way it's good so yeah that's what i'm saying like you you can hold an object in your hand and like sometimes it's breakable and it, and there's something that's very attractive to that and Yeah, so but when you can actually create an object, um, it, it's it's interesting because then you can make another one. Whereas like if I have an object and it's breakable, I'm very close to that object. And that's what I was gonna say about tangibility. You know, being able to hold something and see something and. Yeah, but there's other things in life that are tangible and it's not as likely to break, right? And that's really kind of what I'm trying to crack you on is the delicate sensibility and the delicate art of pottery. Like what what is so attractive about being able to make stuff that like it will break? It's vitrified clay. This uh, particular piece We'd probably do a little bit better if we just set it right here and on the table and then so it's it's a obviously a, a different kind of clay than but if you drop it on a tile it's gonna break oh it, it's and gonna it just like what what is so attractive do you think of something that's so delicate in life like I, I know that's probably a question you could answer and I'm curious like what what is it about that delicacy that you like? There's a certain amount of delicacy, but there's a certain amount, you know, it's 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 a a, a gentle force, right? So what starts as a water meets a solid turns a clay. 
clay can be manipulated to a certain point then the water starts to leave and it shrinks and then it gets to a raw state you know more like a leather hard and then after that it can be fired when you fire it that's when it's vitrified that's when it can be broken anytime up until the firing process you can mend and you can add and subtract and really kind of manipulate but when it's fired it's set in stone and and when it breaks it's a lot of people re- rebury the broken so, pots. So it breaks they'll... like after the fact, right? Like it, you have a some pots never chunk. break. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Some pots never <laughs> break, you know. And uh, some break all the time, and and people try to fix them and save them. And this one's never been broken. It's probably a. Uh, well, where do you, where did know. you make that? Like, what what is this, that? This particular what piece of pottery. At? Yeah. What am I looking at? That is a. Uh, the first bean pot I ever made, and that's a, a a coil method. So, where whereas it was done on a wheel, and it was done in in a similar fashion as as pottery that I grew up doing. It's it's an entirely different kind of pottery altogether. And well, this what, kind of pottery. What's, is, what's the is, difference in that pottery? What this you're is talking fun, about? This what, is functional what is, art. What is a uh, like coil this wheel? Is, is what you said this is like a, a coil method so like I you know I'm 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 rolling the clay instead of getting a ball of clay and throwing it into the middle of, of a throwing wheel like an electric wheel or a kick wheel instead of getting the ball of clay and turn it into hockey puck or I'm, I'm taking coils and I'm and I'm starting at the base and working my way up and I'm and I'm building up on that and and that's a solid state wheel right like the wheel is is much smaller yeah but it's also just wheel. sitting like perfectly and then you can just turn it turn it by hand yeah the there's there's no there's no kicking involved in these kinds of wheels i mean i, I i'm sure you could if, if all you had was a kick wheel it'd be yeah, fine but why would you be doing that it doesn't you, make sense uh, most of the people i've seen doing it they can make pottery wherever they go like this because they have their little bag of clay and they have their little wheel you know put it in perspective it's about the size of a dinner plate you know what i mean and they uh and they and they build their pottery on that and uh, it's 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 quite interesting man it's quite it's quite something special to be uh i learned god i'm i'm having a hard time with this just because you know holding this pot obviously the the my uh, uh mentor in this kind of clay pottery is is no longer with us so uh his name was well, well let's talk yeah let's talk yeah. a little bit about that like, yeah his name was felipe ortega rest in peace he was a hickoria apache uh man that you know, lived in new mexico so and, it's it's super weird uh how 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 did you gosh how did you end up getting to know him well that's the interesting thing about how I met Felipe was my older brother uh, had moved out of California when I was about a junior in high school. He he left to go to Prescott College out in Prescott, Arizona. And while he was out in Prescott, they had a foreign exchange program every year. He, uh, a student from the school my brother was going to was able to go down to Mazatlan, Mexico and stay with a host family. So my brother wanting to do a little studying abroad, went down and stayed with the host family in Mazatlan and 
my brother actually met Felipe in Mazatlan, Mexico at a, uh, you know, workshop making pottery. And uh, my brother and Felipe had a connection. They became friends. They ultimately through their interaction, because I don't think my brother really took to the pottery as much as I did you know he may have just been going you know because because Felipe's studio and, and workshop space was amazing it was up in New Mexico so you know fast forward my my brother and Felipe would you know correspond when you know back stateside and you know Arizona from New Mexico not so far so my brother would take trips you know trips out to Felipe's where there was art studio and um you know him being a medicine man there'd be sweat lodges and all types of really cool um, experience that you know so so what what year did you meet felipe like when, when did you actually make your way out to it was in arizona yeah right? sorry it's so uncomfortable so uncomfortable talking about him because he's he's just no longer with us i'm yeah, you know, yeah, having yeah. to talk about him for the first time and that, i think that's a big reason why well, I mean, it's it's you know because the guy it's it's a studio, it's a comfortable place, man. Like, yeah, you know, like let, let share share it. The guy, please. man, the guy, the guy, um, not only was my mentor and and teacher, but he was my my good friend, and he, uh, you know, for a long time uh, took me around with him, and you know, introduced me as his apprentice and you know I got to work on this man's pottery this man sold his pottery in Santa Fe New Mexico at a gallery called Pasquals I mean right there on the main drag in Santa Fe the art American Indian Southwest so of, what, of, what what were you what were you doing for him like what were you what were you making for, like what you know were you Felipe, Felipe we'd, we'd mine the clay you know you, you think that if yeah, let's I, talk about mining the clay. Let's if I go into the st in the national forest and I try to take a rock or a pine cone, I could get fined up to ten thousand, fifty thousand dollars. But since Felipe was Hickoria Apache uh, Red Clan, he was able to go and mine the clay out freely because he, you know, his ancestors and everybody, he was able to take clay. So we went. We what went, was so special about that clay? Well. You know, going starting with the process, it was like you know traditionally, you know, pottery making was a woman's job. Men were out hunting. I mean, men did not make pottery, you see. But Felipe was chosen by his blind grandmother out of all his like eleven and twelve brothers. Real shit, dude. Real shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his grandma, the blind. This is the good shit, I guess. <laughs> the blind, the the blind medicine woman of the town. His Apache Indian uh, on his father's side. Is, is Apache Indian grandma, the blind grandma doing the pottery, and she told him that he would be the next medicine man, and you know, basically with her hands before she died, taught him the pottery, the, the skill of pottery. That's and, fucking uh, wild. Out of all his 11, 12 brothers and sisters, he was the one that was chosen from grandma, the medicine woman of the town who healed people with her hands before she died at age like 102 or so you know like just yeah. some wild so i know i know uh, that story is fucking wild and i love it <laughs> but but you know it's a special kind of clay and i know you've dropped the name micaceous 
right on me a couple times like i'm so, a fucking idiot so like, so felipe know. felipe would take us up to the clay pits and because we're men and we're not traditionally supposed to be making clay or doing anything with the clay the men have to take their shoes off right so in order to dig the clay um you know it's traditionally a woman's job if you're a guy do you got to make it hard you take your shoes off so we'd be out there barefoot not before we do a cornmeal blessing uh you know he would what's usually fuck, what, go he, more he, into that he, like, he, what's a cornmeal blessing everything with felipe was blue corn so for some reason blue corn and you know he'd get the blue corn meal it was a lot of ways in 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 their way how we might um you know uh use wine or or you know, certain religions will use, you know, the light incense. So you incense, throw the blue corn the on light, there or? You know, you know, you know, facing every direction and kind of offering the blue corn. To and all directions. All directions and, you know, Father Sky, Mother Earth, you know, Spirit Within, everything, you know, all, you know, all the directions. <coughs> and, uh, you know, north, south, east, west, and then up down left right yeah there you go <laughs> Heart forward, chakra. <laughs> you know, forward backward so yeah like digging the clay his process was very special because you know whereas a lot you could see other people he's not the only guy getting clay from the pits you know like these are you know well, really yeah, high, other... probably about seven thousand feet of elevation up in uh you know certain national forest and New Mexico in between. Uh, so you guys would have to go Santa Fe and Taos, you know. Yeah, you you'd have to go seven thousand feet up to get at the least. Clay? Yeah, the the clay was about seven thousand feet. We went up, we'd get the clay, and you could see the way that the other clay miners, that you know, the Puebloans, or you know, there's done a bunch of different other types of artists out in that area going to the same place to get the same clay. You know, it's like. But this this type of process is special because it's a uh, that of a uh, micaceous cookware, so it's not only beautiful and awesome looking, like really just like you know pops like just. I mean. Well, there's it's not video. We can't. But it is but popping. We, but we can see it. <laughs> oh yeah. And and yeah. you know just like. And I want to talk more about the finishing for sure. Yeah, I want right. to talk. I definitely want to get into the process. So going, you know, but going that's, back. That's crazy. Go, where you even just get the clay? Going back to the clay, you know, you'd see other the way that other clay miners would get the clay. They'd they'd go, you know, because if you're looking at a hillside, you'd have the layers of dirt. You know, starting with like the grass on the top, and then going down to like the layers of dirt. So you know, you get down to that clay and. You know, people be going from the side and just getting the clay. Well, Felipe, the way that he did it was he took everything one, one scoop at a time. So he took everything we cut from that hill we were taking with us. And we weren't just going for the good stuff. His belief that was that the good pottery, the good bond for making this clay had to have the sticks, the stems, the all the little seedlings and all the rocks and the sand. And not just the clay, but the clay along with that. And we just filter it all out later. So the way he'd do it is we'd, we'd just go and we, you know, we wouldn't get specific. And a lot of people, they'd go out there with the truck and they say, well, fuck it. Let's just get the clay. Come back with the truck full of clay. All right. Well, now you're fucking that area up because, you know, you're, you're causing a big old uh, 
erosion area just you know rather than cutting into the hillside and taking everything kind of using everything like that was that's the whole idea you know they they only take what they need and they use up every little bit of it you know they kill a deer they use every little bit of that deer right so if you're taking some clay you cut into that hillside with one you know we'd use a pick and a shovel so i'd just be i'd be picking straight down on these little walls you know four or five feet high you know i'd just be picking straight down and i'd take that hole from topsoil down and we'd we'd take it scoop for scoop and fill up the whole truck with everything we pulled not just like you know the the good stuff you know we'd take it all yeah we'd you take, it, take everything with you we'd take everything with us but you know like we could we could have just gone for the goods you know we could oh, just absolutely like, Ever yeah, did a lot of yeah but that's getting greedy if you think about it yeah I and you're mean, not leaving it you're not leaving it for your your other you know you're making it it's it's noticeable it's 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 so I mean, let's just keep getting let's get keep getting technical with clay. So we get back, like, no, we no, get no, back no. with yeah, the clay yeah. in the truck, and we dump the we dump the tray. And you know, he had a very special way of doing it. He just had a, a an old cement mixer, an old concrete mixer, right? So we'd we'd um, without giving away Felipe's secret formula for you know the mixture, you know what parts you know scoops. No, to water. just tell the like. <laughs> he would use two by twelves, and he'd make. A rectangle out of two by twelve. So, you know, in the end, we'd be dumping the clay out of the cement mixer into these two by twelves with a white sheet. So you build these two by twelve little. You know, we we had them. I think they were four by eight. We'd put a sheet. You know, like a twin mattress sheet. Shit, you not a white sheet, and we'd dump it out, and the water would drip through the sheet, and the clay would stay. It was as simple as that. <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> he was he was gangster with it, you know. And, and when you dump, when you mix it in the concrete mixer, all the rocks and all the stuff, <clears> it <throat> kind of separates it all out. And uh, so so you're left with like a nice, really soupy protein shake looking, chocolate milk looking, well, I mean, glittery clay solution. It's like a lot like gold mining, man. When they go and they clean out the gold you know it's like they when they go and clean out those vats is where they find a lot of the good stuff so that's where a lot of this micaceous flake that 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 glitter you see there that's where all that gets held up so let's let's go this this direction so like now you have the clay process yeah now now you got seven thousand feet no 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 no, no, you don't understand now now you have two to three days of waiting for that clay to get the right consistency in the entire time, it's like you have mountains of pizza dough. Your forearms are going to be numb and you are going to be hurting because all you're doing all day is bending over this giant vat. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's looking at it like each bag of clay is 50 bucks, you know? He's slinging the clay to the junior college. He's slinging, he's, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's a businessman, but dude, I'm telling you, that was hard work. Hard work, and you know, make you know from from the time that clay was ready, he was making his pottery. And man, I didn't learn how to make anything out there for the longest time. I I wasn't afraid to touch his pottery. I immediately felt his pottery, and and he put me to work. I think I only broke in the end. I only broke like two or three of his pots ever, but you know, I wore it. <laughs> I wore it, and. Um, you know, these pots are worth more than my entire you life, see, you know. Did you see anyone else break more pots than you? <laughs> nobody else, the entire time I was there, nobody else touched his pots, just me. 
I was there for like a year and a half. That's gnarly. Um, yeah. Why? Yeah. So from the I'm, time he finished his pots until they went I mean, on the so uh, like let's let's I was his apprentice, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's he stay on like the He the, ran a bed and breakfast. He had a pottery studio. He was a full-time teacher. He did massage. He was the man, dude. He was a medicine man. He fucking a chiropractor. I seen this guy do smoke readings, all type of shit. And very special with the pottery because Everything he did was around pottery, you know? Every single thing he did was around, you know, it was like pottery in the pottery in the morning. When we woke up, like, you know, make a few pots, let him sit, go go breakfast, he'd stoke his wood burning stove, he'd cook, he'd come back, we'd do some more pottery, eat lunch, come back, more pottery, eat dinner, and you know, go sweep up the shop, turn off the light, hit it the next morning. It was his regiment, dude, fucking gangster with it. And he was cranking out pots and, you know, couldn't keep up with the orders, man. Could not keep up with the orders because this stuff, it's functional pottery. Not only is it cookware, you can cook and eat out of it, you know. I'm I'm very attracted to this idea and it's too bad he's gone. I hope I'm doing a a good job of, you know talking about him and my experience with him because man it was life-changing i can't believe how much has happened since then but i haven't i haven't i haven't been able to get my hands on the clay well you know what what what's another experience that you've carried on with felipe like why something that we we don't we don't know like you know, it's like yeah, obviously I you spent enough time around like someone that was yeah. doing something very like incredible. Yeah, he um, he was incredible, and uh, he. This is, without doubt, the craziest thing I, I think I've ever done athletically, and probably just like. One of the more exceptional things I've been a part of, without really realizing it. I mean, I mean, in my life, I think. We can all say, you know, humbly now that we've been a part of some pretty cool shit. But, you know, while we're going through it, whether we're being, uh, you know, pompous or even smug, if you will, you know, it's like, if I may, you know, it's like the, the idea now is we're looking back on it saying, yeah, we were a part of some pretty cool shit. Well, that being said, I was a part of some pretty cool shit, man. Um, up in a town called Dulce, God, it was just the highest elevation you could think of. Something like around 10,000 feet of elevation. I think they've been meeting at this location um, for like the last 300 years, ever since they stopped actually killing one another. You know, a lot of these tribes have adopted foot races or games or, you know, to kind of you know, not forget so that history doesn't repeat itself kind of thing, but also to honor and kind of reenact a uh, ancient fighting tradition, you know, so they have, they have games, you know, so the game that I was a part of was like an Apache foot race, but it was the Hickoria Apache have the white clan and the red clan and since I was rolling with Felipe up there, I was with the Red Clan, and it, you know, it was just like locker room before a game. You know, they had the White Clan, kind of teepee, but almost looked more of like a, 
circular hut, you know, no roof, just like a circular hut with like one door. And we went in and, you know, they had the white clan over here and I was in the red clan and it was all very hush hush stuff, man. It was very serious. They painted us up. They put like ash on us and, you know, really crazy to me being from California living up there for just a couple of months and getting invited with Felipe, who I barely just met through my brother to some pretty intense foot race up there. Like, Oh yeah, man, you're coming with me. You're on, you're on my team and stuff. Like, you know, technically you're my guest, you're my company. So you can race, you know, at, for me, you can race for me. You know what I mean? Cause I'm his apprentice. So I'm like, okay, like where do I sign up? And you know, I'll never forget the, uh, the sand painting that they did. You know, they didn't have, I didn't have uh, a, you gotta you gotta uh, explain it. You I didn't have, like, I didn't have you, no you cell can't just talk or, about getting painted up. And like, yeah, just, it was like, like we were getting ready for battle, and there was like a drum and no, like. No, but what were they using? Like it's like crushed up, like yeah, they were dust, using right? yeah. It was like some like, some dudes in there that weren't really talking. That were like you could tell like the 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 head guys in the Hickoria Apache Red Clan. And they were how like so they were older, older gentlemen yeah, that weren't saying yeah. much, that were very quiet, and they were huddled down, kind of like making these sand paintings. Where if you can imagine somebody holding different colors of sand in their hands and just dripping out little granules out of their finger right here, just dripping it out, making this epic i mean well, i can't like the, really the even Buddha, describe it's like it. the buddhist like things where they like slowly like do very this, this slowly thing. and you know they've been at it for hours and by the time you know we drove out there and we got there like you know you know we left at 2 1 30 felipe was very committed you know i was all i was eating steak and eggs for days and shit before and getting ready and then we got in the car at like 1 or 2 30 in the morning i fell asleep by the time we got there it must have been 6 a.m when we got there these guys had already been at it all night with the sand painting and it was like you know like a raven and an eagle and a sun and a moon and just like some epic looking stuff that i can never describe and colored sand and then we're all getting all ready and they're beating the drum and we walk through this perfect we we all just trampled through this perfect art but we were like going out over it <laughs> like into battle right and so you know the idea of the foot race is you know, you, you get the red clan and the white clan on either side of this 300-yard long And so it's runway. just between Apaches, right? Yeah. It's and, just, and it's, me. And there was one other. The red clan, white clan in competition. In competition. It's like a 300-yard foot dash where, you know, basically ready, go. And you take off and then they tag a guy. And you take off and then they tag a guy. And so basically. Oh, marathon, but almost yeah. like cricket where you you're have back to, and forth. You have to lap the guy completely yeah. for it to end. And oh, I only had to do it one time and I like, I fainted from altitude sickness and I don't remember much. After. I was like vomiting and felt like I had a concussion, but turns out Such the, a build up to the, just yeah, the oxygen wasn't going to my head and I almost died up there, but, uh, I ran the 300 plus yards or whatever it is. It was like three football fields and the entire time, man, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people cheering and it was, it was wild, man. We had... There is a picture of me out there somewhere. There's a picture of me out there. You know, they 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 wrapped us in um uh they wrapped us in these really cool uh you know, it, it was like you know, pine branch little smaller branches that they like wove around our arms and legs and um you know, painted our faces and 
uh, it was it was next level. I felt fast, but you know, very quickly after that, yeah, I, I fainted from like altitude, lack there of oxygen well, going to my brain. You know, there, I'm, that, from that level. I'm from sea level. I'm from I'm from sea level. California beaches. I was not. really nervous, and I wanted to do a good job for the team. You know, I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have they didn't have to tag me again because we would have forfeited. They would have hated me, but you know, I feel like I did pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I did all right. Like. Uh, but yeah, I crossed that line and my legs just like gave out and I wasn't able to use them for like the next 10 hours. <laughs> so, dude, since I got you here, can can you pick out another instance? Like I know you've like talked about sweat lodge a little bit or, you know, like other rituals or something else they would do. Like what what else attracted you while you were living there and doing it that like it was a, it was a ritual or ceremony that you really he, enjoyed? He... Good question, and he brought a lot of a, a a lot of power into this whole pottery. You know, he would you know dig the clay, mine the clay, and then he would have these workshops with people who'd come from all over, and you know they'd make either like a teacup or a bowl, or like let's say it's you know like let's say be the equivalent of like a little you know a uh, a, a little vessel that you could put on your on your cooktop you could cook soup or whatever you could cook beans and you could remember your experience up in the mountains uh, making a piece of pottery that you can now cook and eat out of and so um, like he would read people's pottery for him you know it was like a lot, a lot of people what do you, say it was what bullshit. Do you mean like, by like reading pottery you know like... he'd look at the you know he'd look at the different designs and you know he'd He'd look at, you know, markings and he, he'd see things in the pottery and he'd Wait, tell so you about yourself. so people were bringing him pottery? No, or, he would... They, he, he would make pottery. They, they would make their own. Oh, they, people would make their pottery yeah. and he would read it for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. He'd that's read wild. Their, yeah, he'd read people. He read, that's wild. Yeah, there you go. So that's... that. In, in a nutshell, that was the most powerful thing I'd seen was... People would come from all over, and they'd make their little pottery in piece his workshop. In his workshop, and then he'd and you know he would from, read, and he would they would fire it, and then he would he before they went home with their pottery that they would make at Al Peak Pottery he Studio. Read, he, 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 would, he would read their pottery and then wow. tell them about themselves something Do you know in, that they would that they would leave they would that would they would imprint in their pottery when they made it. Did he ever tell you that people they would they would imprint no, no, no. a part of themselves? Yeah, but did they he ever leave. tell you where that came from? Like, yes. Why? Why? Why he was able to? Yeah, read. yeah. yeah. Sh- share that with Absolutely. us, please. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, dude, why? Like, where, where, yeah. where does that start? Like, so yeah. his blind, his blind, like mother, right? His or his grandmother. grandmother his yeah. blind grandmother. His blind grandmother is. Shape, shaped his hands around pot. Like put I'm trying his, to shape my mind around put, this yeah. idea, right? Like, yeah. This is his blind grand. His blind grandma taught him how to do pottery, and when I met him and put my hands on his pottery, I learned how to do his pottery by putting my hands on it. And and I have, you know, when they say like, oh, the thousands of hours, ten thousand hours, like I have hours and hours and hours on this man's pottery. And, yeah, but um, like, let, where I did have not, where I did, have not started where did the idea of him, away. where did the idea of him reading pottery come from? The idea 
from him reading pottery is been a lot like a medicine man's role in any tribal sense. There's always a guru or a, a shaman. So that's very he, long a, a tradition. Sh- a, a shaman is, you know, that is a, you know, in, Dude, in I've every lot, religion. I've read a lot of books now about right. indigenous peoples and like reading pottery blows you away a never bit. comes up in any of them. Yeah. It I've wouldn't. read so many books now. It, it's it, like, it, it wouldn't because this kind of pottery was lost. This kind of pottery, like many of the American Indian art, has been lost. And you'll never hear about this shit, ever. And you won't hear about this. There have been some very, very um, important uh, figures in the pottery community. Now and we're I on the name, good shit. I could name, name, co- name a couple other very important pottery artists that you would know their names. And, um, you know, not on the top, Mary something or other, um, you know, it's very, very important, um, more of like a Puebloan style pottery. This yeah, is, this is reading, Apache. The reading of the, pottery. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's next that's, level. That is insane. That's, that's, that's shaman, you know, someone who's going to look at the smoke clouds from the incense coming up around Oh, so you, you mentioned that earlier when right. you were talking and you just kind of rolled over that night. Right. I feel so bad I didn't uh, get to ask that question. So like, so like you know, a, a, a medicine man or a shaman or, or, or a medicine woman or a, um, you know, someone can, by your energy in that room, your your aura or the, the, the you know, flow, the, positive the negative this all floating around you so like something as simple as like smoke in a room you know he'd light a little piece of sage or he'd smoke a cigarette sometimes and he wouldn't really smoke it he'd just light it and the smoke in the room and he'd sit with somebody and he'd observe the smoke or for example he'd someone would come out there and they're looking for um, answers or they're searching or they're just on vacation but you know when they made a piece of pottery he would look at their pottery and tell them something about themselves that they left, that they imprinted in time, in a kind of, like it's imprinted in a rock or in ice or in snow or sand or (laughs) clay. clay. I mean, man, it's, I've been seeing some pretty interesting stuff in the clouds since I was a kid, mainly, you know, mainly when I was like first starting to smoke weed and stuff. What, like bunny rabbits? And... You know, not like that so much. <laughs> Just that's like, what I see usually. It's like, I wish so I could funny. show you a picture right now. Like, check out this iPhone. But I, I really did have a cool picture of like, it was a full moon. And um, there was like, in the clouds, unmistakably, like a phoenix. Like, you know, with like the wings and, and the thing. And like, I'd show people, they'd be like, oh, it's a dragon. Oh, no, wait, it's a phoenix. Every time I'd show people this picture, and it was a picture of the clouds that I took. And, and man, I, I can't, it was a real photo that I took with my iPhone. 
somehow it's lost in the cloud or some shit. It's just like along with these all these other things, it's like you realize you're like talking about pictures of clouds that are lost in the cloud. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> pictures of clouds that are lost in the cloud. Yeah, but the cloud picture, you know, it's like you see stuff in. Now just, just you see you stuff know. in nature sometimes. This is this just like your wood art. This just like you yeah. know any real like you know somebody who's on. You know, I've seen these CNC machines making some pretty interesting stuff. Like, they're all spinning on, some, like, a rotor. true to, like... So, one of the things the wheels about on wood, the bus it's, like, it's, very, it's individual, the type of woodwork I do. It's, like, the same thing. It's, like, clay pots. Well, it's not I wish I had, like, like, the delicate touch to be able to make that stuff. But, uh, make... For the first time doing a podcast and the first time, like, you know, just rolling roll through some thunder. I think you killed it, dude. Dan, it's you pleasure. crushed. I just want to say... Uh, I think there's a, there's some good information in there. It's It's been real talking about this kind of thing. I know a lot of it was more about, like, you know, what I've been through. But the, the real interesting thing is what's to come with this stuff. You know, I can't... Just go and you know that's why I feel awkward because now with my well, it's you been know, ultimately one, it's he's been one away. conversation. Anyhow, where it's going with this, I'm still not sure, but I'll tell you that this part of my life I'll never forget. And yeah, there's things to be said about something that you can carry with you and have a story and be able to tell that story to other people anytime. That's all we try to do around here. All right. And, History Killer. hooligans. Yeah.